So how are you whittling them down? What's what are you how what, are you what, choosing? Don't let's talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, seems seem silly to talk about this gold mine of, of, of insight. <laughs> when we're not recording. I am recording. Oh okay. Cool. I'm recording already, so this can just be my opener. Hello and welcome to episode ten of Keeping on Track. I'm uh, I'm Adam Heath. And he's Bradley Williams. There you go. <laughs> Just making sure you that were listening. A... There you go. That was that was a curveball. There you I go. I panicked into what to do. I didn't know if I should say I was Bradley Williams. I went with a kind of who used to do that? Was it the two Ronnies? It was it, uh, two Ronnies, yeah, or Morecambe and Wise, one of them, wasn't it? Morecambe was, yeah. So I feel like I've messed up with I should have said I'm Brad Williams. So I should have said No, no, it's good. Should I like start what again? You did. No, no, I liked okay. it. I liked it. it was it was organic and it, and it worked. It was good. I just wanted to make sure you were listening. That was all. So uh, why do you not think I'll be listening? Do you think I treat oh, this podcast with disdain or something? Uh, more like a sort of like um, I think you neg it, you neg it. So you tr- you treat it with a lack of interest in the hope that it will love you more. What? <laughs> I mean, I've been here for 10 episodes. That's true, that's true. Hours of conversation. How can you say I don't give it respect? No, you respect it. You you just pretend you don't love it as much as you actually do because you want it to kind of come after you and and vie for your attention. But it loves you back. It it loves you back, this podcast. It really does. Um, So how you been? Good. I'm confused. Did we do this last week? Did we miss a week? We didn't. We missed. We missed. Yeah, yeah, we missed a week. We missed a week. Um, last week was just just manic, and uh, neither of us had the time to do it, so uh, we did miss a week. I don't know if that will mean we'll we'll maybe go one episode less, or it just means we'll we'll just go for an extra week. Um, but I know that we were planning originally on doing twelve episodes for the first season, so um, yeah. This is the this is the classic you know, one of the many reasons I love you. This is classic Brad Williams BS, where he pretends there was a plan to do a season of twelve episodes. There was never a plan. That was a decision made a couple of weeks ago in private. On the fly. Not on the. We we I, I prefer us to make those decisions live when we're recording, so that people can feel part of the process. But uh, that is a decision that we've made. It would we like some of our favourite watching experiences we decided let's make it a series let's do a season let's wrap it in a little bubble and call that season one so that's that's, that's official is it now we, we, we can announce that can we it's we 12, can 12 episodes that's, that's we season. can yeah so we've got two more episodes after this um one of the things i'm thinking of doing actually i know i've already mentioned this to you but one of the things i'm thinking we could do for episode 12 would be we could get people to submit to us on Twitter or wherever, um, film that they feel has had a significant, not a significant, any impact on their life or the way that they live or their outlook. Um, so we'd be quite interested to hear, like you know, did uh, did Titanic make you pay more heed to health and safety at work? Did Silence of the Lambs turn you into a vegan? Um, did uh, did Jaws teach you the uh, the dangers of of hubris? I don't know what you know. Was there was or maybe something less exciting than that? But we'd be quite interested to hear that, so we can read some of those out on the podcast. And if no one sends us any, we'll just make some up, right? 
I mean, I think you should start preparing for that right away. I'm not convinced. <laughs> Even Kirill, our most ardent fan, I'm not sure he's still listening. At 10 <laughs> Even Kirill's done. So what's, um, I, it's really sad, isn't it? But I, I quite enjoy, I enjoy might be the wrong word. I, I have listened back to most of our episodes. I'm, I'm mm. kind of intrigued to hear what we talked about, how it came out. Um, and that's why I was throwing last week. I'm like, did I listen? To, I can't remember. My whole week has been upside down. I didn't yeah. record it. I remember listening to it. Um, so your, your most ardent listener was probably me. I was the first one listening each week, and even I didn't, didn't tune in. Um, so, yeah, you might be asking something people to tweet us. But there you go. Let's let's set it up as, as good versus evil. You're the, yeah. the, the optimist. I'm the pessimist. I'm saying no one's listening. You're saying they are, and they will tweet us. So if see. you're listening, let us know. Reply, respond, tweet us, do whatever you can to let us know that you're out there. Um, I feel like this is almost like we're playing Ouija board with podcasts. Podcast Ouija, that's what this is. We're going to put a glass on a board and, and see what message is spelled out. I would never Ouija board with you because I, 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 I already know you'd, you'd be moving the glass. There's, there's no way you could just let... <laughs> the ghost of Rasputin is talking to us <laughs> I'm still convinced that book that I got sent in the post a few weeks ago I'm still convinced it was you that sent it I genuinely wasn't I, t- t- tell, our, t- tell our listeners I eat yourself um, and Kirill um, this story about the book because it's quite interesting well I mean I, I realise I've just said that I got sent the book I actually didn't I've already misquoted this story because it wasn't addressed to me whatsoever um but it was addressed to <laughs> someone with a similar name at my address and there you know there isn't there isn't anyone here of that name um and it's a little book it's a little kind of i don't know a six probably tiny little book little sort of 30 page short story called paranoia in the laundrette and it's, it's designed to look like the front of a washing machine. And on the back, it's got all the use instructions for a washing machine. And I just, whoever's ordered, if they've ordered it from Amazon or something, I mean, for, for one, it's a second-hand book. This isn't a new book. It's, it's definitely second-hand. It's old. Whoever's ordered it has ordered it to the wrong address, which doesn't seem likely. So if I wanted this, they would know where they lived and where it should be going. Um, it just felt like a very you thing to do. I opened up with a stat of interest. And the front page... Line one, I'd been carrying a carving knife around with me three weeks due to an irrational fear of being murdered. I couldn't sleep at night. And I thought, someone's trying to tell me something. This is a Brad Williams special. I've read this book cover to cover in the hope of somewhere's a little scribbling where you've left me a note that you're winding me up. A little trick in there. But it was, it's written by, um, is it Bruce Robinson? Is that, is that it's it written is. by? Yeah. How yeah. do you know that? You're just confirming. I remember you told me because you said it was, it was by the guy who wrote With Now and I. And uh, and I know that Bruce Robertson wrote that. So, uh, but it's a real book. I mean, I, I I looked it up. It is a real book. Let me read you a bit more. Go on. As soon as I got into bed, I started seeing killers. Usually, a nose or a toe cap of a killer's boot disappearing around the bedroom door. These killers were always on the move. I became particularly frightened of a man I called the Beetle. He wore a black coat, a top hat, and appeared the instant I shut my eyes. What is this book and, and why has it come to me? I can hear you giggling away. You love it, don't you? 
Oh, this is brilliant. I love that just someone somewhere has just sent something to the wrong address and is literally, this is called Paranoia and the Laundrette. You've become the most paranoid person about this book. That's hilarious. No, my issue is if if it arrived at my house and the postman had put it in the wrong address or, you know, and there was a, the, the label on the front didn't match my address, I'd get it. It's addressed to my address. How, whoever, how has someone bought this and sent it to the, not to themselves, they sent it to the wrong place? It doesn't seem possible. I reckon it's just something you've upset in the past. <laughs> someone, so, someone somewhere with a very passive-aggressive agenda has gone, right, I'll get Adam, paranoia in the laundrette, have that send <laughs> seven pound plus postage right. and packaging <laughs> that would teach him <laughs> last two pages here we go i'm not here to hurt anyone i said i'm a professional writer give me the knife and you can tell us all about it watch him he's a madman give me the knife and don't give me no mumbo <laughs> i'm innocent i said you'll find out it's not me it's this bastard in north london you just come along quietly now, sir. They'll get you some help, said the beautiful girl. <laughs> you don't understand. I set fire to myself before I came out. I don't normally look like this. <laughs> the larger of the two constables took the weapon and both took hold of me at an elbow. They had the knife, I had the pants, and everything was still filthy. I was escorted out of the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so just a regular yeah. Tuesday, really. So is it is the idea is the idea that because obviously um, I haven't read any of, of Robinson's other work. I know he wrote the Killing Fields as well, but um, is is the idea then that the protagonist of this story is f- suffering from some sort of sort of paranoid delusions, or is it is this alcohol fueled, or what? What's the kind of yeah, and in, insomnia, I guess, not right. sleeping at night because he's convinced there's a murder in his house going to get him. Right. Um, so it's a pretty—I uh, don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a, a little short story, I guess. I've never seen a short story published in quite like, physically, I guess. Mm. So just a the whole completion of this little book and like I said, the little the little design that makes it look like a washing machine. It, I kind of like it. Mm. Um, but I, I do wish I understood why it came to me. Strange, isn't it? That you've now reminded or, or, or put in my head that I'm becoming paranoid about it, which is the mystery. point of the book. It's 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 almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Like this, this it feels like yeah. the, this book's going to send you on a journey, like a spiral, and and there's going to be this weird meta ending where you are in six months' time in a laundrette somewhere with a pair of pants and a knife in your hand well, and this book in your back pocket. Here's the thing. So we we we've talked. Um, uh, you know, a, a decent amount, and, uh, rightly so, because that's what the podcast is about. But we've talked about business and about the fact that, um, I mean, you've, you've you've suggested in the early pod, in the early episodes we were sort of doing animation and we design and we talk about art and theatre and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and that we're involved in interactive. But really, at heart, and I think that's obvious to most people, we're filmmakers. You know, mm-hmm. we're film buffs, and we we make we make videos. That's a huge part of what we do in our job. Um, we've never really talked about, I guess, aspirations, if you like, you know, probably neither of us imagined we'd end up making the kind of content we're currently making. We're doing lots of really interesting corporate work, you know, lots of training, lots of 
documentary style stuff but we, we probably both would love to be making narrative film mm. i think that's fair to say mm-hmm. um and i'm always we're always talking about wanting we've got plenty of experience plenty of kit plenty of personnel we've got all the resource for me i'm always waiting for the, the right idea to go and make some interesting shorts you know possibly a feature and i'm just staring at this book on my desk now saying is that is that a little candidate there that's that's a story waiting to be told isn't it on Jonathan Ross's chat show in 10 years time when we get an Oscar for a film we've made and, the, and, and we say a book arrived in the post one day and we turned it into a film that would be amazing there you go I'm not sure how rights work with that one we might have to see if the rights are available because I know that sometimes you can get rights to books but like ne- next to nothing so maybe we should see if, yeah, if the rights are available if we contacted Bruce Robinson and said that this book was posted to me by mistake can I turn it into a film? I'm sure it'd be all over it. Let's let's reach out to Bruce Robinson. That is it. That is our mission. We are going to reach out to Bruce Robinson and see if we can get a response from Bruce Robinson or his agent by this time I next week. Podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what that is our mission. That is our mission. We're going to do that. I was talking, when you told me about the idea of wrapping this into a season the other week. I, I sort of said, or at least I thought it. We need a cliffhanger, you know, and we need to build towards something. At the end of a season, you've got to be building this. To me, this has come to us mid-season, this little book. And if we can finish the season with Bruce Robinson on the podcast, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Let's do that. Let's do that. And uh, and I'm sure that that will work out for us. Why wouldn't it? I'm, I'm convinced that we better get the rights to it as well. It's a short story, you know, I think novels tend to be the kind of stuff that gets commissioned and, and, and uh, rights kind of assigned. Yeah. Um, although saying that, newspaper articles quite famously get, you know, you purchase the rights to turn those into to, you know, to films. Mm. So I guess there is a decent chance this would have been. But if we can get in touch with Bruce and if we can find out that this hasn't been licensed or the rights haven't been kind of bought by anyone, I've got to, I've got to get it. It feels like it's meant to be. We're going to chronicle what happens with this. And hopefully it ends well. And then that's season two done, because season two will be about us making the, <laughs> the short making film. making of. <laughs> the there, you go. there we go. Cool. Um, anyway, that was, that that was, was a real answer to you. You that, said to me, how am I doing? I just went off on one. So, that was good. I'm glad about that. That was a nice little story. Um, filled up a nice chunk of time, which is lovely. That was good. I haven't asked how you're doing. It's your rude mix. How, how are you? How's your weekend? Uh, my weekend's been all right. I am... Um, I watched uh, last night. I watched The Wolfman, which is the old Lon Chaney Universal Monsters classic film, and and was astounded that the movie clocks in at one hour nine. That includes titles and credits. Wow! Whoa! That's crazy, right? I can't remember the last time I saw a film that was less than an hour and forty. And I mean, that, I, that's pretty insane. Yeah, you'd to get. It. An hour and a half is, you know, you struggle to see something less than that, maybe 80 yeah. minutes at a push, but yeah. 60 something minutes is under. That's so bizarre that you've brought that up actually, because um, it's, it's fair to say, I think our, our listeners will forgive us for saying we have no plan today, or at least I don't. Yeah. Normally, you give a little nudge, a little hint what we'll talk about. <laughs> I suspect this week you don't even have a plan necessarily. We're just going to, we're going to improvise. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay. Anyway, but. Out of the out of the kind of uh, musings and rambling so far, there's a bizarre little kind of theme emerging. One of the things I wrote down, I was going to talk to you about, is is that TV show you hooked me up with to watch. Yeah. Um, Year, Year of the Rabbit. 
little six-part short series, which I loved. I knew we'd talk about the fact we're going to turn this into a 12-episode series or season. Uh, we just talked about this short story, a little 40-page short story. It's yeah. a little short film. There's a bizarre kind of theme emerging here about kind of short-form content, mm. short-form storytelling. Um, so how weird that you then pop up and say, I just watched a, probably one of the shortest features you'll have seen in your life. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Almost doesn't, almost doesn't even qualify as a, as a feature film. No. It's sort of somewhere between between a short story and a, I and a feature. Th- I think, I can't remember the exact time, but I think a movie has to be longer than 50 minutes for it to qualify as feature length. I think that's the so Academy rule. Yeah, I think that's the Academy yeah. rules. It might be a bit longer. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it was a, it was, it's a good film. It's a great film. I, I love all the old monster movies, but I'd never seen The Wolfman before. I'd seen bits of it, but so it was cool to watch that. Um so I did that, and then I watched another film last week that I'm going to talk to you about today. But um, one of the things that I did want to talk about, because I do think it's funny, is um, I know it's coming out of left field considering all the things we've talked about so far, but is your <laughs> is your current drive to sell off all of your unwanted films, i.e. basically every film <laughs> every film that you own you're selling off because you've never watched any of them. And I just I just thought this was an interesting thing. So how many how many films are you currently selling, Adam? I've got about twenty films on, on eBay active as as you know, Blu-rays, DVDs that are selling. I've got uh looking at the end of the room there's about fifteen parcels that are all packaged up ready to go. So that's thirty five, forty odd that have sold or are selling at, at the moment. And I've got a box over my shoulder, another 30 or 40 probably. I reckon I'll have sold 100 discs by the time I'm done. But what I don't understand I don't... Is, is that you've, you've barely watched any of these films. So you've gone out, you've bought them with the intent to watch them, never watched them, let them sit there for years on end and then decided to sell them. So I don't know where this has come from, to be honest. Like, it's something bizarre, I can't actually tell you when, in the last couple of days, it struck me about selling on eBay. Like, right. Oh, that would be interesting. I don't know why. I, I, I'm trying to place it. What triggered it in my brain? But once I got that bug, I was like, "This makes so much sense." My yeah. place is filled with junk. Um, I think I'm just in a decluttering kind of mood. Right. You know, Spring clean. After this, this period of isolation and kind of lockdown, I feel like lots of things are changing. You know, personally, professionally, for lots of people, I'm like, "This is time to, to clear out my, my space." Um, and I've got hundreds of Blu-rays and DVDs. And you're right. 70 or 80 percent of them are still in cellophane wrapping they're still brand new as the day i bought them um and that probably actually encouraged me to sell them because when i looked at it i thought this is brand new i can put this on sale brand new which makes a difference and i'll I'll make a few quid for it i think i blame hmv for this and this this goes back to first meeting you probably you know because i had no interest in films as a 15 16 year old kid the, the the fact that I went and studied film in college is completely left field. I was going to do music. I was supposed to be studying music until a week before, and I just decided out of absolutely nowhere to do film. <laughs> the universe, the universe told you that, that something Pretty bigger much. was waiting for I'd, you. I'd been playing piano since I was four years old. My parents got me lessons when I was really really young, and I played guitar and trumpet. And like music was the expected route. For, for no reason whatsoever, I had no interest in films. A week before college started, I just changed my mind and signed up to a different course. Um, and met you, among others, and my life was changed forever, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I remember 
you know, HMV, places like that, that had no interest for me. Suddenly, I was now frequenting. I'm walking around HMV looking for bargains. <laughs> and I, I've been addicted my entire life to three for 20 or four for 30. Oh, yeah, five for 30. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, how can you go in, even if you're just having a, uh, you know, you're out shopping generally in a shopping centre and you see a HMV, how can you not go in and pick up five for 30? It'd be rude not to. So, and inevitably, I, like you said, I buy them with the best intentions. There's an mm. Oscar-winning film there from last year. I'm, you know, sounds good. I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, and then it never gets watched. It's just sat there, collecting <laughs> dust. And then I had a little look on eBay. I thought I can make four or five quid out of each of these. So let's let's get them gone. Nice one. Well, in fairness, I mean, Do I'm I... not going to complain. I got a free copy of Dallas Spies Club out of it, so I'm chuffed. I deliberately, I deliberately didn't send you pictures of all the things I'm selling because I you give get you that bullied? one. I said if you want it. <laughs> Well, I thought before I know it, I'm going to give them all to you. <laughs> well, I couldn't believe it, right? So so I think the biggest shock for me was when you were like, oh, yeah, the big Lebowski. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've, I've got like, I've I've bought various iterations of that, you know, recently got the 4K version. And uh, you're like, I've never seen it. And it just blows my mind. I'm like, how have you never seen the big Lebowski? That's insane. It's like, I thought, you know, we've, we've got a, a, a mutual friend and uh, we, we, you know, and I, I know you've known him a lot longer than I have, but we obviously had that f- a fun game once where we were sitting there and, and I could just pick a random film, the most well-known film, and he hasn't seen it. And and I feel like you're only marginally above that sometimes. Like when we talk about films uh, like The Big Lebowski, and like I've never seen it. Or, you know, I'd be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I turned around to you one day and, and just said like Home Alone or something. You're like, yeah, I've never seen it. Don't know what it's about. <laughs> or I've got it and it's still shrink wrapped. <laughs> I mean, I've got that's true actually. All the films I've never seen, I do own most of them. I just haven't watched them. <laughs> you're, you're at least at least own them. At least owning them. So you want, you're halfway there. Should we, have a, should we have a little, just a quick side jaunt into what my current uh, eBay sales active looks like? Do you want to Go know what's up there? Yeah, let's do it. Number one, six bids on this, £2.70 so far, <laughs> for Mary Poppins Returns. Classic. <laughs> Brand new and sealed. Hang on, in what world did you decide to buy Mary Poppins Returns? I mean, it's a good film, but I can't imagine you as a, as a Mary Poppins person. If I'm completely honest with you, I don't know how I've got it either. <laughs> my, best guess, my best guess is I bought it. I think I was going to give it to my mum for Christmas or something. Right. Forgot about it, and then <laughs> left in a pile of DVDs. There you go. Forty-nine cool. minutes left on that one. Actually. We oh, might nice. still be on the call when that finishes. Nice I'll let you know that finishes. Uh, right, six bids. Once upon a time in Hollywood. You're not getting rid of that. Have you not seen it? I haven't seen it, dude. Brand honestly, we're going to come to blows. You've got to watch that. Yeah, well, actually, you have, I know you're selling it. £4.24. That's insane that you have not seen that movie yet. You own it. Dude. But I can watch it online. I know I can you can. I know you can, but it worries me because you never will. But I won't watch it if it's sealed anyway. True. So, oh, fair enough. Anyway, right. go on. No bids so far. No bids on side effects. Brand new and sealed. It's because it's crap. Go on, next one. Seven bids. Call me by your name. How much is that going yeah. for at the minute? Five pounds. That's a good film. Quick fun fact for that. The whole of that movie was shot on a 35mm Cook lens. Every shot in that movie is 35mm. Single lens? Yeah, single lens. 
that's the way to challenge yourself. One you one go. bit of kit, and you can't it. can't deviate from it. Uh, and then I've got no bids on these because they've only just gone up. Manchester by the Sea, mm-hmm. brand new, good film. Prometheus, Prometheus has gone up. I asked you advice. Yeah, that you asked me about that. Oh, you can lend that. You can borrow that one. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Lion, that's a brand Lion, new sealed. Yeah. Django Unchained. <gasps> Classic film. Not a fan. Yeah. You didn't like fan. it. You didn't like uh, it. Nah. Boring. Found it boring. It's one boring. of the few ones that's actually boring. open. Boring. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. Killing me. Um, and then the last one is Boyhood. Boyhood. Yeah. Richard Linklater spent twelve years filming it. You spent wow. zero minutes watching it. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Richard, I'm probably listening. That was worth the effort, mate. Twelve years of your life. Just well actually it wasn't. I think it was longer than that. No, it was twelve years. And uh, Adam said yeah. nil poi. <laughs> also sold. Once I get off this call, I'm going to the post office because I've got Moonlight going out. I've right. got Scott Pilgrim versus the World, yeah, The Martian. Right. The Martian, The Revenant, Big Lebowski, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, Birdman. La La Land, Life of Pi, The Lion King, the new one. Yeah. Uh, and The Imposter. Dude. So, um, of that last little bunch, have, have you seen Birdman? Nope. Fair enough, nope. it's on Netflix. Um, Revenant? Nope. But, man, geez, Louise. In fairness, I would, I would say probably 98% of the films you've said there I've got, so you can borrow them. <laughs> But still, <laughs> I was actually I, I was saying to Adele yesterday because um, where I was getting I was I was getting the Wolfman out to watch it, and uh, she, I I said to her I, I paused for a minute and she was like, "What are you doing?" And I went, "I know this sounds really weird, but I'm really proud of my Blu-ray collection." <laughs> she was like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "In I Am Legend, when Will Smith is the last man on earth and he has to go to the video shop to get movies, like I would never have to do that because I would I've com- I'd be confident enough that I have got enough movies in my stockpile to get me through the apocalypse until I die." It's <laughs> a crowning achievement that anyone could come to my house and find a good movie to watch. I was really pleased with myself about that. But, yeah. I think um, once, once upon a time I, I wanted that, but um, I just can't deal with clutter. It just yeah. doesn't work with me. And I feel like, man, um, and the fact I can watch all of these effortlessly online, just I don't see the point. I know, but I don't trust that. Any... Do you not? Do you not worry about that? Like, what happens if like Netflix suddenly just stopped working? Or no, sure. Well, like I'm proving on eBay, yeah, if I want to watch Moonlight, four pound forty four, I'm going to buy a copy <laughs> from somewhere and get it in the post. So, I, I I know what you mean, but yeah. I, I don't think I need. I'm not as I'm not as fast. I know I'll find a way to watch these yeah. things if I ever need to or want to. Yeah, and the reason I would keep most of, if I was going to keep anything. It would be for special features, which is what I texted you earlier about Prometheus. Are the yeah. special features any good? If they are, I'll probably keep it and watch that, which sounds crazy, I know. But my collection now, once and there's more to go. I've got a box over my shoulder of more of these to, to list. Um, once they've gone, my collection will really consist of things with epic making of. Lord of the Rings with you know 25 hours of making of, and Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, yeah. and Jurassic Park, and... Um, Kingdom of Heaven, anything that's got an extensive making of kind mm. of element is what I'm interested in. The rest of it can go. Be gone with you. Yeah. No, 
that's fair enough. Well, I think obviously your your viewing habits are way more casual than mine. Like I, I get I get cravings to watch films, so I'm like I want to watch this film, and if it's not there, I like that sucks for me because it's I can't watch it. I have to watch that that specific film, or you know. Whereas you're much more like oh I'll just watch the special features. I can do that. <laughs> so yeah. So well, anyone wants Absolutely. to buy some classic films. Adam's on eBay, so get on there right now while you still can. <laughs> Going cheap. <laughs> um, right, let's. Um, we've we've eaten up most of the show, um, which is a nice segue into our movie uh, for this week that I want to talk to you about. It's called Ravenous. Now, have okay. you ever heard of Ravenous? No, you haven't, right? Uh, I mean, not. Off the top of my head, no. I'm just googling it because I suddenly recognise some aspect of it. <laughs> no, that nope. looks like um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Guy Pearce, Robert Carlyle. Rob Carlyle. Yeah. So, Ravenous is the story of John Boyd. He is a captain in the U.S. Army, and in an act of cowardice, is uh, once celebrated on a surface level, but then disgraced and sent away to this remote military outpost in um, California. In the in uh, sort of I don't know whereabouts in California, but it's in the in the mountains somewhere, and just just way out of the way. It's very remote, and he's sent into Brad. the com- yeah got. You know, you know, you always give a little spoiler alert, and you say like, you know, "What we're going to say is going to spoil the film, so go watch it." Yeah. Can I spoil your intro? Go on then. Because I just, I just googled it as you were talking. I love this movie poster. It's going to be a spoiler, though. Sorry. <laughs> movie poster, ravenous. You are who you eat. Yeah, that's it. There you go. That's the ta- there's the tagline. You are who you eat. <laughs> you are who you eat, and that and that is the that's general. It. That's the general thing because. Um, what happens is um, with Boyd's in this remote outpost um, with all these kind of losers and dropouts and one day they get a surprise visit from a a guy called um, Calhoun and he begins to tell them the story of a party of people that he was with and they got stranded in the mountains and one by one they resorted to cannibalism and uh things sort of take a bit of a swerve and go off the rails and eventually the whole group are in one way or another involved in cannibalism and a game of cat and mouse and murder and 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 it's and it's the whole thing is very chaotic um but the movie itself is probably one of the most underrated films of of 1999 it, it lost out a lot of attention to what was essentially a, a great year for for cinema um directed in part by antonia bird and um she took over from a very pro- troubled production uh with two other directors that had been either sacked or um had left for various reasons and so it's it's a little bit uneven it's it's a very dark film it's very but it's also very funny, so it's this real mix of, of sadism and black humor, sort of gallows humor and things. But it's um, it's not a film that you're likely forget in a hurry. Is 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 maybe a way to put it. It's not ridiculously gross. I mean, obviously it's violent, but it's not ridiculously gross or anything like that. It's not um, um, one of those films that's violent for the sake of being ridiculously violent. But it but it is one of those films where you sort of watch it and you think. I've not seen a movie like this before. <laughs> and I like, uh, um, I'm thinking about 
the other week when we were talking about trailers kind of telling you what the movie's going to be or, and doing a good or a bad job of that. Yeah. This, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with that tagline. You are who you eat. Yeah, yeah. Just no holds barred. We're going to tell you exactly what you're in for here, and you've got some sense of, of what you, you know. There isn't a surprise now. We know what we're going in for. That's it. Well, ironically, the advertising campaign for this was really bad because um, it depicted the film in in a way that it wasn't, um, and so people went expecting it to be um, uh, a movie that was. Um, of a particular ilk. Now I haven't watched the trailers in a, in a long time, um, and we won't do that now because we did that the other week with trailers. But um, it's it depicts it in a certain way, but it is much darker and and much more um, philosophical than it maybe purports to be from its advertising. But yeah, the general sense of it is: if you eat somebody, you um, gain their their strength, their energy, their manner, as it were. And it sort of ties a lot of it into some sort of, you know, some part of Native American beliefs, um, certain tribes of Native America and, and, and the Wendigo and, and all this sort of stuff is all kind of sewn into it. Um, but it is, it's one of those movies where, it, you know, it could quite easily have been mishandled and turned into a real sort of hokey B-movie, but actually becomes a real, um, a, quite an intricate um musing on the the nature of well on the nature of colonialism uh to be honest uh there are other readings none of those are the readings i'm going to give it but (laughs) that's kind of where it's at but the reason i thought it was quite interesting from a business perspective is is that the movie itself um feels very much like um where people are at right now you know everyone's kind of gone through the there everyone's sort of in the height of the obviously like a quote unquote winter as it were and everyone sort of feels a bit isolated and remote and disheveled and this this camp is filled with archetypal behaviors so you have the the sort of fervent religious seller who's not who's not really good at anything else other than that you've got the kind of waster stoner kind of guy there's the overly macho um, military man the the, the drunk doctor who, who just sleeps all day long uh you've got the the guy who's supposedly leading leading them all but he's got no real backbone at all he's just essentially a, a leader by name rather than anything else and and um boyd comes into this group of people and obviously he's a coward um and so you've got all these archetypal people and they're at their lowest ebb not a single one of them is prepared for the chaos that follows and so when Calhoun turns up and, and what Calhoun brings with him, not a single one of those people is able to deal with it, but they are all supposed to be military men. They're all supposed to be highly trained, highly skilled, adept in their different areas. And, and this this cannibalistic um, tidal wave of chaos just, just rides through them with, that, with little to no resilience at all. And so it's quite an interesting thing to look at and actually say hey look where are we at now as as businesses and organizations and actually are we prepared for the the tidal wave that is returning to life again the new normal uh, and things like that and so some of those parts feature into it but um one of the questions that i had for you adam is have you ever felt woefully unprepared for something when it arrives and what did that make you feel like this podcast. 
Um, <laughs> sorry, that was the obvious line. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, I think everything. I mean, that feels so familiar to me. I don't know if that's the right answer. You almost want me to say mm. no, no, it's... no, because what, what we're experiencing is 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 new territory. But but I guess I'm I'm of that nature where I always feel underprepared. Even you know, even if I've done all the preparation, if I've if I knew something's happening, I've I've invested time and planned. I still ultimately walk in feeling like I haven't done enough and I'm not ready enough. Mm. Um, I think. It's different when it's thrust upon you, isn't it? When you when you have some comprehension of what's happening, you can kind of mentally prepare yourself. Uh, when 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 change happens and you're not expecting it, that's when instinct kicks in and your instinct to survive, fight, run, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, I know we've got some meetings coming up this week, and I wonder if you're deliberately or subconsciously referring to the fact that these are a year in the making. These meetings, mm. where in fact we've had forty five meetings as a run-up to this meeting, the, the meeting we've been waiting for. We didn't know it existed at the beginning. We, yeah. we knew we had a couple of meetings on a project and we never knew that 45 meetings later, all of that was in build-up to the meeting that uh, has caught both of us by surprise. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you're subconsciously referring to, to, to that, that uh, we actually, if anything, are over-prepared to the point where we almost checked out a little bit. Hmm. You know, we, do we need to prepare for this meeting? No, because we've done all this preparation for months and months and months, and that that, that could end up being a mistake, actually. So we, we probably do have to just get our heads back in the game before we walk into it. Good answer. Well done. You you, you know, right answer. Tick. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's true because there's that sense sometimes where, like you say, you can feel over-prepared to the point where you check out or you can feel underprepared to the point where you're not really sure where to begin. And both of those can be very damaging in, in certain ways if you're not able to be agile or you're not able to adapt and, um, and, and find a way through. But th- for me, one of, the, one of the things that I feel like I'm seeing a lot of at the moment is feelings of preparedness, but it's not preparedness in the sense of it's not targeted so it, you know these the in a weird way like these characters they wear their apparel they've got the weapons they've got the training they call themselves military men they all feel like they're particularly you know ready for action at any given point but then when that moment comes none of them are prepared in the way they should be none of them are alert none of them are thinking none of them are working as a unit or as a team and so actually what ends up happening is they can be picked off one by one and then ultimately once you start to weaken a structure the whole thing will collapse and so um there there's almost sometimes there's that there's that sense that false sense of security that comes with are you really thinking about what you need to be doing um are you really thinking about how important the the things that you've put in place actually are or is it all just is it just facade for the sake of looking like you've done something uh, does that make sense yeah absolutely in in our present situation it, it's hard to actually prepare and plan because i don't know what we're preparing for anymore mm. on on the one hand we're preparing for a return to normality and what that's going to mean and, and the work we'll have to do that we've been waiting to do on the other hand, we're preparing for a new kind of normal. So how are things different? What's changed? Then 
in the back of my mind, I'm preparing for a possible second spike in coronavirus. What's that going to mean? How do we be ready? Last time I wasn't ready. You know, I remember way back in our first episode, I, I remarked about just getting bread and toilet paper was the kind of objectives for the week because it was mm. impossible to get either of those things. And um, yeah, little part of me is like, should I be preparing for that? Because that feels like a, a possible reality we're going to face is some kind of secondary lockdown. So at the moment, it's actually a little bit hard to know what prepare for what. How do I, mm. I can't prepare mm. for all these events? Or, or maybe we can. Maybe we can have a little kind of a finger in each pie and be conscious of all the different outcomes and, and some kind of you know strategy almost. Um, but I hadn't really thought about that until you've just brought it up. So thanks for making me panic again. I'm not prepared enough for all these different things. You're welcome. Um, I'm glad I can help you. So <laughs> how did this come about? Did you just watch Ravenous randomly on one of your kind of just going to randomly pick a film or yeah, is there a so, reason you watched it? Yeah, so what it was is I um, have a list of like movies and, that, and movies that I kind of feel like um, lend themselves to a topic. And I wanted to do a film by a female director and so I had Ravenous on my list and I also had um, a film um, a film called uh, You You Were Never Really Here by, by Lynn Ramsey and uh, both those films for me uh, fit into a category of um, not doing what people expect you to do and actually stepping outside um, preconceived notions and proving yourself to be um, something that you're not or, or proving your worth in other ways uh, and then I started to watch Ravenous and and it, and it just clicked with me I was like oh wow actually you know there's this whole thing here about preparedness and 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 I've and I was I was trying to find an article uh, the other day as well and I and I happened upon this uh, this piece about a guy um, called Adrian Bayan or Bayan who is a professor of mechanical engineering at Duke University and um, Professor Bayan uh, has kind of got all these theories uh, about um, it, uh, like this, the stability of economics and, and essentially kind of gives this comparable of saying that when you spill milk on a floor that the physics behind what makes milk travel when it's spilled is actually very similar to the physics that drive econ economies and and talked about oh, wow. the, the sigmoid curve and, and the s curve and all this stuff and and essentially says that things go slow then they speed up and then they slow down again and that's what milk does it kind of comes out moves a bit slow goes in a straight line and then it kind of splays out at the end and um and I'm not doing any justice at all by talking about it, but essentially is saying that with a sigmoid curve is you have you have your low area, then you start to create fuel. So whether that fuel is literal like fuel of food or or petrol, or whatever drives industry, or it might be lending of money or something like that, and that starts to drive industry and business. And so you get that that ramp up, and things start to feel great, and then inevitably they will peak and they'll start to fall again. But what happens is they're saying is that when you get to that peak of your sigmoid curve, what you need to be doing. So when your business is at its best, you have to start. This is where I had another article that was all around. Um, uh, like the research that's that's gone into strategic mindsets and how people with strategic mindsets are actually a lot more successful because you're constantly evaluating what you're doing and its purpose and how useful it is and how it can be improved. And so you can combining those two when you get to the point the the kind of the apex of your of your S curve of of industry, you then have to innovate 
to create a new S curve on top of it. Otherwise, what happens is you start to see a reduction. And so what there is is this kind of business theory of if you get to when business starts to take a downturn and then you try to, to think of things to do, it's too late. You're already on a you're already on a losing battle. So you're going to struggle a lot more. So this idea of if you're constantly evaluating what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing it, you'll constantly innovate. So you'll always be at the apex of your S of your sigmoid curve. So inevitably you're going to have upticks and downticks, but you won't suffer the same level of depression and loss and impact that you would if you were just following the natural curve of economy. Um, which is a really long winded roundabout way of saying uh, kind of, I guess with ravenous and, and those two things and all that combined is that idea of saying, I guess if you are thinking strategically about your business now, you'll all, we're all we're all seeing that it's too late to do a to have you know a massive sudden turnaround. But what we do need to do is be mindful of going forward. How do we avoid this again? How do we you know how do we get ourselves back in line? Think strategically, improve our business, innovate, start to inc- improve again, and then and then continue on that improvement by continually innovating and not just riding that curve and going oh thank goodness coronavirus is is off it's in the background. Yeah, coronavirus might be gone for the time being, but there are a thousand other things that face us in the future. So. There's a lot there to maybe unpack or not or make sense of, but those are kind of some of the things that drove my choice with with Ravenous this week. I just thought of a way we can connect this back to our other theme <laughs> today, short form stories, which is that you actually, in in, in pursuit of that innovation, you, you would do well perhaps to not be thinking in feature film terms, but be thinking in short story terms. Mm-hmm. What are the small steps we can take? It's all, lots of businesses have got a five-year plan, five-year strategy. And in fact, I've, I've worked with some organizations and, you know, respectfully, they would laugh at themselves as well. Mm. But a five-year strategy that we make a video for every year because it changed every single year. Yeah. And it was like, what's the point of the five-year strategy? This isn't saying... We're one year in. Let's see where we're at. It's a whole new five-year strategy every single year. So why don't you just call it a year strategy? And that's a bit more honest. Mm. Um, and actually, there are a lot of organizations now that have been forced to probably abandon what were five-year plans, 10-year plans, because the world has changed. And so they, they've got a new strategy. And actually, I don't know if it's the right approach. Probably far smarter people than me would say this isn't the way to do it. But I'd be thinking about what's my short-term strategy. You know, let's not spend potentially huge sums of money developing, creating a strategy, you know, hours of hundreds of hours of manpower thought into devising some long term five year strategy when we don't know what three months away looks like. So, you know, I I think there's something to be said for the short term kind of strategy. Let's have goals, achievable goals that we can race towards. Um, Maybe philosophically some long-term goals that's all well and good but uh it, it, it seems like things have changed in business now where five-year planning is, is a stretch you know maybe mm. to have aspirations or objectives but you shouldn't have a, a kind of um a, a, a very rigid framework strategy because you're just not responsive enough if you've got that you need to be able to adapt to anything the world's going to throw us yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you can you can sort of see that as well in some of the um, some of the the bigger franchise 
of movies that we've seen in in fact of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe like that whole thing was a happy accident there's you know Kevin Feige didn't sort of create Iron Man thinking you know what we're going to be in 10 years we're going to be 20 films deep into a massive thing it was like oh that film was good right let's do a couple of other characters oh so those ones have worked so what we should do now is we'll 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 do a team up movie oh that really that worked right so now what we can do is we'll start to do and then and then you start to plan bigger and bigger and bigger but you've got to have your immediate plans you you know you're like you say you're three months you're six months your year your five year whatever it is you've got to have a series of strategies and plans moving forward not just one big one that you're putting all your eggs in one basket now look what happens, right? How many people have now looked at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and gone off and tried to create it and mm. make a, a cinematic universe for ourselves? Yeah. And like you said, they've missed, they've completely missed how that began, the kind of inspiration, the bright spark. Um, and, I, and doubtless there'll be folks that might say, oh, but they knew they had all this rich content available. They, they probably did. They probably had that conversation of what we've got potential, but there was never an intent to develop a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. There was a single movie of a single character um, that opened opportunities. Yeah. I think that's artistically, that's a, 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 a better, safer, more rewarding way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, probably financially safer as well. You know, that kind of commitment. Let's, let's make a movie and see, see where it takes us. Yeah. Well, I mean, Warner Brothers are the complete opposite of that. You know, Warner Brothers very much were like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to plan to do all of these things. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna do this this and this and this and this and then they kind of push that limp that dog over the finish line and then everyone was like wow that was the biggest load of book we've ever seen we've got all these crappy movies at the end of it or Universal which we're talking about Wolfman earlier on before they'd even released their Tom Cruise remake of The Mummy had named their cast of their quote unquote dark universe and all the different movies they were going to make Johnny Depp was going to be The Invisible Man or Javier Bardem was going to be Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde or whatever it was I can't remember what it was now but you had all these different actors that they'd named and then The Mummy tanked and they were like okay we're not going to do that anymore and then just scrapped the whole thing you know so what was the point of, of all of that it was it was, it was was stupid um, so yeah I think it's you know I think it's definitely worth considering that so you know very short assessment of ravenous this week but for me it just felt like a a nice sort of tie into that idea of of being prepared and staying alert and constantly evaluating your surroundings so that you know those calhoun moments when they come into camp don't aren't as you know don't completely undo everything you worked for and whether that's on a, on a small level in terms of keeping your staff motivated or on a wider corporate agenda level it's it sort of scows accordingly it, it sounds like there's an element there of it's fine to planned and prepared so mm. we've done the prepared part but that doesn't stop there isn't an end point to that that should continue mm. you mm. should be continually planning continually preparing for the next thing whatever it might be yeah and having that um, strategy to go forward and deal with those things as well so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And from and from your side, th- th- I mean, we were talking about film scores the other day, and and obviously earlier on about you being musically inclined. The film score to this man is is intoxicating. It's it's really? Damon Albarn of of, of Gorillas and Blur wow. fame, uh, working with Michael Nyman. The score is insane. It's so good. It's like you you listen to that film score and you can tell exactly what this film's about. The movie's tone, it's everything about it. Even, I would argue, part of the character of this film is its score. Um, so you should you should definitely look that up. 
and uh, okay. and and while we're quickly on scores, just today, obviously announced that Ennio Morricone, the legendary yes. film composer, passed away at ninety-two. And uh, I, without sounding like too much of a punk, um, I think we might even rather than have our sexy samba music close us out this week, I'm going to pick a piece of Morricone's work to play Absolutely. us out because. Have you got any That's requests, actually? You got any, I'll let you pick. But I'll, I'll trust you to surprise me. Pick it? something. It'll probably be like, what else do you pick? You've got to pick, you know, the nice yeah, some people know. I mean, you've got Once Upon a Time in the West. We could go with one of the Dollars trilogy. I mean, he even did Hateful Eight, which was a great score as well. You know, there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's so many great scores out there that he's done. And ironically, I imagine that he'd had an influence. He probably would have had an influence on Orban and Nyman for, for the score of Ravenous. Because although this isn't a Western, it's very much of that ilk and um yep. very moody very tonally appropriate so um yeah no we'll um we're gonna cl- we'll close out with with morricone today so um that sounds good yeah yeah Do you so, want to give us a, a revenant then should we get, get that on the board yeah so i want to i want to say it's a funny one with ravenous because i want to give it like a four and a half or something um but i do feel do. watching it back that um it's uh by the way, I, I did catch Adam's bitchy comment there. I just chose not to respond to it. Um, the uh, the I, I, I'm quite inclined, actually, to give it a little bit lower. Not because I feel like there's anything particularly wrong with it, but just because I feel like it doesn't... It, it's a film that plods a little bit. So I'm going to go with, with three and a half for Ravenous, which is weird because it flies in the face of everything I said about it being a great film. Um, but I do think that it's it's got some flaws and those flaws are big enough that it stops it from being a great film. So I'm going to go with three and a half for Ravenous. Okay. Just putting it in the, the leaderboard right now. So it's just uh, on the same as Truman Show, nice. just below Fight Club, Contagion, Wally, Uncut Gems on four. Fantastic. And as a, as a, as a touchstone, if you like The Thing, the John Carpenter version... Um, you're like ravenous it's it's uh, very much in the same vein cool right my man well um we've rambled for a while um and uh i'll let you go now but don't forget boys and girls if you are listening and you do want to contribute to episode 12 please do send us a tweet or um, contact us at on track int and uh use the hashtag keeping on track and by all means tell us a film that's had an impact on you for for good or ill or change the way you live your life somehow we'd love to hear it and we'd love to talk about it and and you know what if 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 it's uh if it's interesting enough we may even you invite you on the show to talk about it very briefly but we'll see how that goes so yes thank you very much adam as usual good luck with your ebay sales are we um, are we forty minutes much. into that eBay bid yet, or is he still going? Another six minutes, I'm afraid. Oh, so we're just going to miss six out. Six minutes. The, There's a cliffhanger. On the end <laughs> of the Mary Poppins return. Oh, next time, yeah, next episode, Mary Poppins returns. Two pounds seventy. Six minutes to go. <laughs> Join us next, app and we'll let you know what uh, it's sold for. And if you can guess the amount at, within ten p, Adam will sing "Trip a Little Light Fantastic," uh, which he has no idea what that is because he hasn't seen the film. Cool. Right, Adam, I love you very much, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. <laughs>